The reading this morning is from Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up, and he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. This is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Welcome to this Resurrection Sunday, the greatest day of the year. This week I read an article from the New York Times, and the title of it, was what does it mean to worship a crucified God? Christianity. An article I would commend to you written by a believer. But at the beginning of the article, the writer quotes an episode in the life of Malcolm Muggridge. You may remember uh, William F. Buckley and Malcolm Muggridge. Those of you who remember them, remember perhaps that they had an interview Buckley flew to England in order to interview Malcolm Mugridge about his faith, his Christian faith, which came to him, by the way, late in life. Malcolm Mugridge was famous for parables that he would create on the spur of the moment. And in this particular interview, he said, imagine this. Imagine the Apostle Paul were to contact a PR agent, a public relations genius. And he said to him, I've got this campaign. I want to promote the gospel. The PR agent would say to him, well, you got to have some sort of symbol. And Paul would respond, well, I've got one. It's the cross. And the PR agent would respond, you can't popularize a thing like that. That's madness. Look at the madness all around us, the sign of the cross. Actually, Paul knew it was madness. He even called it foolishness on one occasion. But he took the symbol of the cross, and with it, the world was transformed. When I think of the message of Easter, 
it dawns on me it's too big for a 10-minute sermon. I've only got two minutes and, no, seven minutes and 30 seconds left. But I want to give you my version of the message of Easter with three verbs. First verb, believe. Believe. Now let's be honest, on the first Easter morning, there wasn't a lot of belief. There wasn't a lot of faith. Actually, on the first Easter morning, what you saw the most of was doubt. What you saw the most of was bewilderment. When the women went to the tomb and encountered the angel who told them he is risen, and the women went back and informed the disciples, what was the response? It sounded like nonsense to them, and they didn't believe. When Peter himself actually went and witnessed the empty tomb and the grave clothes laid on that stone, he looked at it in bewilderment and walked away wondering what just happened. Or take the supreme example of doubt in the face of the resurrection when Thomas, on one occasion, having heard that Jesus appeared to the disciples, said, that might be good for you, but it's not good enough for me. As a matter of fact, I will not believe, not until I can put my finger in his side and the nail scars in his hand. Only then will I believe. Or how about the disciples on the road to Emmaus? They told this wonderful story to someone they didn't know was Jesus. And they said, it's unbelievable. Our women came back and they told us that he's risen. And it's just impossible to believe. Of course, then Jesus revealed himself to them. Belief. That's what Easter is about. But you know, belief or faith doesn't come in spite of doubt, but in the face of doubt. You doubt, and then by grace, as you stare into the face of your own doubt, you believe. You believe the impossible. You believe that dead men don't rise, but Jesus did. You believe the impossible, that when you die, it's over, but you believe it is not, that you too will rise again. Belief stares into doubt and uncertainty and believes anyway. you got to believe this. You know it's true. Skeptics believe. And you're called to faith. You're called to believe. You're called to believe that you are not the sum total of your failures. You're called to believe that the circumstances in your life that have contributed to a catastrophe, even when those circumstances happen to be you, it's not the end of the story. You're called to believe that this life is not all there is and that when this life is over, Eternal life begins. That's what you're called to believe. I encountered, because of the New York Times article, a poem from William Blake this week. I'm not much of a poet. 
I'm going to try to read this properly, but it's a wonderful statement about faith. He says, this life's dim windows of the soul distorts the heavens from pole to pole and leads you to believe a lie when you see with, not through the eyes. What does he mean? He means that when you see with the eyes of faith, the dim light of reason in our souls shouts lies, 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 but you see with the eyes of faith what is real. And that's what you're called to on Easter. I love the definition of faith given to us by William F. Buckle, excuse me, by F.F. F. Bruce. Things which in themselves have no existence as yet become real and substantial by the exercise of faith. The second message of Easter is follow. Jesus didn't say, just believe. Jesus said, I want you to believe so that you can follow me. It wasn't a static belief. It was an active belief. The resurrection wasn't just a miracle to make a point. Of course, the grave could not hold Jesus because God could not die forever. We know that. The resurrection pronounced life over death. But there's more, you see. There's more. The resurrection, when you believe it, when you believe in Jesus, is a call to follow Jesus. As a matter of fact, the resurrection itself is a validation of the mission of Jesus. He had spoken with his disciples for three years concerning his mission on this earth. And when he came out of the tomb, the resurrection Lord, he stamped the mission that was his. And he invited them to step into the mission and to follow. And they did. And they changed the world. First they believed. Then they heard the call to follow. That call to follow is going to take you to strange places. That call to follow is not always going to be pie in the sky and a bed of roses. That call to follow is going to take you through suffering. Put it in the words of the Apostle Paul, I want to know Christ. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. That call to follow is going to take you to places that are inexplicable. It's going to call you to do things that seem absolutely irrational. That call to follow is going to seem counterintuitive. It's going to seem countercultural. And it's going to seem unreasonable. But you're called to follow. Follow Jesus. And how do you do it? You follow him by focusing not just on things, but eternal things. You follow him with your lifestyle. 
A lifestyle that's humble. A lifestyle that's selfless. A lifestyle that's trusting. A lifestyle that's simple. Because the message of the cross is. The message of Easter is believe, follow, the third verb, live. When you believe it, when you follow it, you have life, eternal life that's abundant and free. Not just in the future, but right here, right now. You know the reality of the incarnation? It wasn't that Jesus just became a baby. It wasn't that God just came in the flesh. The reality of the incarnation post-Easter is this. The incarnate Christ, because you believe and because you follow, is incarnate right here, right now, with you. Because he rose, he is with you. In all your joys and in all your sorrows and all your highs and in all your lows, in your pain and in your death, he is with you so that you can have eternal life. Live, says Jesus. Live and never die. The message of Easter. Three words. Believe, follow, and live. You know, we have the same opportunity that the disciples had almost 2,000 years ago to believe, to follow, and to live. I invite you, maybe for the first time, believe, follow, and live. Maybe for the second time. Maybe for the 100th time. Believe again. Follow and live. And when you do, there's only one proper response. It comes from the soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen.